Welcome to the Freedom Wealth Audio Experience. I've been getting to the money. Everybody man. I'm Brandon Neal. I'm Jacob Cornell. And this is episode two of Cashing Out with the Kids. So this week we got a little bit of an interesting topic that Brandon shared with me and we listened to a podcast that we got from NPR and the subject was something original. It was something that we really haven't heard before and we both were kind of thinking about it for a week and it centered around the idea that we should have baby bonds or trust funds set up for someone at the age of zero years old. Right when they're born, someone gets a trust fund put in their name and based off of their parents' household income, they would receive anything from $500 to $500,000 or $50,000. Once they're 18 years old, they're able to use the money. Obviously not for for beer money or whatever they wanted to use it for. This would be for something like paying off large amounts of debt, school, higher education, buying a house, buying a house, starting a business. So it would be something that actually gives you the opportunity to put yourself into a higher income or uh, potentiality to become more wealthy. So really what you just said was the antithesis of this argument was opportunity. So that's that's the two North Carolina or was it Duke professors? The Duke professors, professors like yeah. the idea of baby bonds. Yeah, because they wanted to help people kind of um, they wanted to help people be able to reach different levels of opportunity because they feel that um, different wealth levels open up gates for opportunity, and I, I agree with that. And the opposing professor took a different view on that. If you want to get into that a little bit. Yeah, so the opposing professor, there's actually already something like this put into place, and maybe that's why he had this idea already on hand, but the professor from George Mason in this podcast, he said that we should just provide uh, tax credits to those based off of their household income, so to parents that would give um, their children a better chance of succeeding in the future financially. So he wanted to, he wanted to increase the stuff that they're already getting back. Right, so the tax credits would be more, uh, they'd be better, they'd be better. So they'd be a little bit more friendly to, to those in lower income tax brackets, and they would obviously be friendlier even to those in higher income tax brackets. And the idea is that we would have a uh, higher percentage of people moving into higher tax brackets and, and higher income brackets. So. Yeah. The whole idea behind both is that we want our kids to grow up to be wealthier. Um, and actually one of the professors, one of the Duke professors, said that even wealth, uh, even though financially we can see it like make an impact in the US, there's actually also a civic equity that's, that's given to those. Um, and it makes people more politically involved because the wealthier you are, the more likely you are to have an influence. So I thought that was also a very cool point brought up by the Duke professor. So. And I, I think the opposing professor, one thing that he wanted to kind of get across is that he felt children have already been put at a very steep disadvantage by the time they reach 18. And that's why he wanted to go with the um, earned income tax credits instead of because he wanted to be able to tangibly affect those kids before they reach the age of 18. Yeah. So I think that's a, it's a interesting counter argument. And I, I see the value in both. Uh, ideally, you would say let's do both of them, but I don't know that either. Uh, yeah. It's possible to do that, especially since the Duke professors were su- uh, suggesting that it might take $80 billion a year to actually put this program into place. So, offer of both probably isn't too realistic. 
Yeah, and I, I know you said you had a different view. I, I don't know if you wanted to get into that now, but yeah. you said that you had a different view on how you perceived this baby yeah. bond, trust fund to be set up. So I, I would like to, to hear what you have. Yeah, so the first time I actually had this video sent to me, I really liked the idea and it, it was super interesting, but I kind of took a little twist on it and started thinking about, well, this could be a tangible way to kind of fix our social security problem. Because, so one thing that the art, uh, the podcast mentioned was that they're going to be putting it to guarantee 1% more than inflation over those 18 years. But if instead what we did were to give these children um, money at birth and then put it into a investment account and invest it in something like S&P 500 and estimate 7% in a return and then take that out until they're 65 instead of 18, now instead of having to pay in social security and have that system fund itself, what we're doing is we're putting the estimate that I did was $5,000 at that 7% and that brings out almost a half a million dollars for every person to have in retirement. So it takes less money up front versus like social security and um, it take a long time but after 65 years the system would actually be uh, self-sustaining because so once someone goes into retirement at 65 they could take 5,000 out of that near half a million dollars right. put that back into the system so then they would just keep feeding itself because that $5,000 never changes from kid to kid. Every kid gets that set amount. I like that idea actually, because obviously we've heard a lot of uh, scary stories kind of from older generations yeah. that we're not gonna have social security. <laughs> yeah. and, and I mean, that is really an issue. Yes. And uh, we've seen kind of the social security, the government kind of scramble to figure out like, how are we gonna yeah. sustain this? And I like that idea that, actually, that does sustain itself. This year was the first year that they didn't have enough money to uh, fund it. They had to actually reach into their uh, Saving account that the right. social security system has, so that doesn't bode well for our generation. <laughs> right, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. So if you are our age and you're tuning into this, then maybe you should be brewing on these kind of ideas. So. Yeah. Um, it, so the Duke professors talked about their 80 billion, and that'd be the two percent of the government's annual budget. So looking at the five thousand dollars looking at retirement would actually only be 0.5% of the annual budget. So it would be significantly more doable than the uh, $80 billion a year. Right. Um, so unless if you had something else to talk about the baby bonds, I'd like to also get into some of the low income or uh, yeah. your tax credits. No, I think that's really interesting. Let's, let's go that route. Right. So we already have had obviously tax credits in the past and usually the way it's set up is you'll have a government entity that's in place, they call them CPEs, and they loan out money to these projects. And the projects are anything from housing to historical sites even. So say like they want to preserve, um, in Canton, Ohio, we have the yeah. McKinley Monument. Um, say they want to preserve that just for economic benefit, for, yeah. for tourism, for people to come. So there, there are tax credits already put in place, but those are more for the community. And what usually happens is you'll have a pool of investors, and it usually benefits the, the rich because you'll have a pool of investors that uh, go, if I put my money in this, I want to yield back. So I want, let's say, let's just match inflation. Let's say it's 3%. Yeah. And then they get that 3% yield for however much money that they, they put into this pool of investors helping the government fund these, these projects. And in return, they also get 
a tax credit based off of however much they put into um, um, into just this project. So, which is very beneficial because if you know how the 1040 works, you have your gross income, like near the top, then you have your standard or itemized deductions, then you take all your other deductions down, yeah. and at the very bottom, you have um, your, your tax credit, which it actually just takes off straight from the tax liability, not your actual income, which, which significantly decreases your percentage of tax liability you have to pay or increases your refund yeah. that you do. So this is a really good program to put into place if you wanna help kids with some sort of earned income tax credit, because we see this with housing, in fact, um, with LIHTC, they call it. We have already two million units in the US that are LIHTC um, houses, like low-income house, housing tax credit houses. So we see it growing, obviously, tremendously and have a huge impact on communities like ours. There are actually quite a few complexes in Canton, Ohio, Northeast Ohio, that are LIHTC houses. So this program is booming. It's growing a lot. And it helps the rich, and it also helps the poor out because um, they're they're getting house housing that's provided by the government, and you have the rich also gaining and reaping benefit from, from tax credits. So, I think this is actually a better idea. Um, there would obviously be a lot of caveats with it, and there would be a lot of regulations around it that we would have to figure out that the government would have to, uh, to figure out. But I really do like the idea of. It. Earned income tax credit that yeah. the, uh, the investors and the government use. Yeah, it's it's definitely uh, an interesting idea. I think they were actually moving away from investor friendly. Obviously, the the bill probably helped investors, but they were looking, I think, more at the um, like single mom type uh, scenario that's working hard to kind of provide for her children and right. uh, give them the things that they need, but they just don't have enough money. So having kids they would get an increased earned income tax oh, I need to say that today yeah, I know but, <laughs> we're both kind of tripping up on a yeah, lot <laughs> um, but the earned income tax credit would be uh, significantly increased for those type of people right and, and if you look at any stat yeah. look at single parent even whether it's mom or dad look at single parent households yeah. their potentiality to become wealthy no matter how much income they make is significantly yeah. decreased over those that have two parent households so it really does make a difference and i think that would all be included both in the baby bonds and the trust funds and also the earned income tax credits so uh it would benefit both the single parent households but that would be up to whatever laws are put in place but yeah no i think these are both really interesting approaches to kind of solving some of the systematic issues that we have in our country. And, uh, yeah. I think it'd be cool to see our government actually take a look at something like this instead of just continuing to do the same things that we've been doing because that's what we've been doing. So instead of just being okay with the status quo, starting to look at how do we start fixing some of these issues. Right, and I think it's also important to know that, I mean, this could be huge for the bottom 90%. Yeah. If you look at the top 1%, they own roughly 38%, about 40% of the U.S.'s wealth. And then if you look at debt, and this is such a divergence and such a difference in, in the way that we spend our money, the bottom 90%, and then um, how the top 1% spends their money. The bottom 90% 
owns 73% of the U.S.'s debt, not the wealth, the debt. So because there's a huge split between the wealthiest and, and the rest of the U.S. Poor people like to live like the rich, and rich people like to live like the poor. Exactly. That's why the rich are rich, right. or poor, right. because it's it's not even necessarily about how much you make, but it's about what you do with the money that you do. Right. So it's that's definitely uh, getting back to the psychology of money. That's a big, big factor in money because, again, you don't have to make that much money to really do well for yourself. But if you're spending on a lot of stupid things, you're going to pull out more money. Yeah. So, yeah. We'd love to hear what you guys think about these potential fixes for issues in our current uh, society. And maybe if you guys have any ideas of your own. So this has been episode two of Cash Out with the Kids and hope you enjoyed it.